This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. It's so easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. The hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? I'm proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who wins. Buckeye Podcast, by fans, for the fans, where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO Podcast. OH! Welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Buckeye Boggs. That guy over there is the wild man, Chris Wilds. And tonight we're talking about Nebraska football, Chris. Nebraska football. It's been a while since Nebraska's been to a bowl game, but hey, hope springs eternal. New coach. It's no longer yep. frosty over there in Lincoln. Things are looking a little bit bright as Matt Rule comes in, and there's a new sheriff in town, and he's got a new rule book over there for everybody in Lincoln. It sounds like the fan base there is super excited, Chris. Yeah, and I think they should be, Eric. I, you know, I really am a big fan of Matt Rule, what he did at Baylor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, granted, he didn't have a great, uh, great time in the pros, but you know what? A lot of, that happens to a lot of successful coaches. So, you know, I think that they got a really good coach over there. I don't know that he's going to make a massive turnaround this season, but I'll tell you, I think if they just are patient, ride it out, I think they'll see improvement this year. And within the next few years, they're going to be, uh, you know, a competitive team. If you can win at Temple and Baylor, yeah. I'm pretty sure you can win at for Nebraska in Nebraska. Yeah. Now competition's harder. That is true. But then also everything is at your disposal to be successful there. So let's jump into the history and uh, how that went last season for mm-hmm. Nebraska. Interesting season. It was indeed, of course, they came into the season with uh, high expectations as always. That seems to be what everybody always wants. And so um, seven and a half was the over under that came out of Vegas. They were thinking they were going to be a, uh, bowl team. That's not how things went last year. Of course, uh, last season was, uh, Scott Frost last year as he was fired pretty early on. They lost a terrible game to Northwestern and Dublin, Ireland had the game one came back, beat North Dakota, then lost to Georgia Southern. And that's when you pretty much knew. 
Scott Frost was done. Uh, lost to Oklahoma, got absolutely blitzkrieged there. Then they won a couple Big Ten uh, East opponent games at Indiana. I, I don't know who who Indiana is, but Indiana <laughs> and Rutgers. Then they went on a terrible losing streak. Purdue, Illinois, Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, before somehow winning at the end of the year against rival Iowa. Uh, you predicted eight and four. I predicted yeah. six and six. That green check mark should be an X. We were actually the green check mark is because I was right in the fact that they were under, under seven and a half. So I I did win money on them, even though they were even worse than my prediction of six and six. Of course, uh, the capacity at Memorial Stadium is eighty five thousand four hundred and fifty eight. Their all time record in uh, Nebraska is a really good not nine hundred and twelve wins. 417 losses, 40 ties. That bowl record, 26 and 27. That's a that's a lot of bowl games that Nebraska's played in there. And a conference titles, 46, all of which were in previous conferences. They've yet to win a Big Ten title, but 46 conference titles. Chris, your thoughts on how things went down last year in Lincoln and Scott Frost, the end, the end of Scott Frost era in Lincoln. I was really disappointed, Eric. I, I really thought that Frost could do something in, in Lincoln. Um, I looked at their schedule last year and thought, there's no way this should not be a bowl team. Uh, no way this team with Penn State and Ohio State not on their schedule should not have had eight wins. But you look, losing the Georgia Southern, them being shellacked by Oklahoma. You, you know, I, I got to feel like, Tom Allen and Greg Schiano and Kirk Ferentz are all wondering what happened that we lost to these guys because that team that lost to Georgia Southern and, was, and like I said, was shellacked by Oklahoma should have been a team that didn't win a game the rest of the year. Yeah, and that was not a good Oklahoma team. So. No, it really was not. Mm-hmm. So, well. Let's 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 get, let's see what the experts think. We've got the the Scully or the Sully scoop with us from Nebraska. A great group of guys. You're gonna love these guys, Chris. These guys yeah. are fantastic, man. Great. We we as we record this, we spoke to them the other night. They are awesome. You're gonna really enjoy this. So check this out, everybody. Like incredibly in depth. Unless there's one where you're like, no, listen, I need to take some time on this. One. <laughs> and then we then we totally we totally get it. So no big deal. All right. <clears throat> All right, guys, and as you can see now, we are joined by the Sully Scoop podcast, guys. These are the Nebraska uh, partners and big banter that we have brought on. And you can see B-Sol, T-Sol, J-Sol. Yeah, they're all brothers. How about that? Uh, uh, and they're not just Nebraska brothers. These are real brothers. So we're looking for some fights, guys. That's what we're looking for on this uh, episode. But we're going to preview the Nebraska Cornhuskers now, guys. And so let's just dive right in tonight, Chris, with these great guys. I love their podcast, by the way. Uh, let's start here. I want you guys... <laughs> And this is not on purpose. I'm not trying it. I want you to sum up for us as Nebraska fans what the Scott Frost era was like for you guys. T-Saul, I'll start with you. You're in the middle. Sum All up right. the Scott Frost era for me. It's it's an easy answer. You, you got to roll a used toilet paper. It's pretty much what it comes down to. 
All right. He just that quick. <laughs> really yeah, B Saul, what do you think? I mean, it, it really just felt guys, come on, the wheels fell off here. It it's a guy, he came home, everybody thought it was a match made in heaven. It just it didn't work. It really was a letdown, I I think, on both ends here. And I think when he realized it wasn't gonna work, I think that's when uh that's when you saw him kind of mentally check out, probably. I don't know, maybe towards the end of that three and nine season where everything's going wrong, the team's snake bitten. And then you come out the next year and you onside kick against Northwestern up, you blow the game and he's like, okay, well, this is just, he didn't have an answer for anything. He went into halftime without making any second half adjustments. It just, every week it was the same story. And so it just felt like towards the end, he just, he kind of checked out. Jay Saul, you agree with those the sentiment or you got something else to add to that? I mean, it's it's pretty much just like that. I mean, it was a lot of hopes and dreams. I mean, we would get our hopes up in the offseason, and then by week one, we're looking forward to another offseason coming up because he couldn't get it done, couldn't get the wins, and it just like it piled on. I mean, we were we were happy to get him at first, you know, which is sure. tough. Changed UCF around and then comes there and couldn't win a game. I mean if anything could go bad in the fourth quarter, I mean, you already knew we'd be winning in the third quarter. It's like, well, this game we lost, you know, it was just, everything would fall off. Yeah. Chris got next question, buddy. All right. Now guys, for me, I really love the Matt rule hire, but I want to know what you guys as Nebraska fans think of the Matt rule hire. Do you like this? Why or why not? Let's start off with Jay Saul. I mean, so I'm going to come in hot, and you guys are probably going to like this. You might hate it. I wanted Urban Meyer. You know, I want to flip the switch quick. He's done it at other places. I wanted Urban Meyer. Now, do I like what Matt Rule has done? I mean, we're moving up in the recruiting rankings for a season, so I do like it. And he got us on the watch list for Dylan Rayola, which Scott Frost just overlooked when he's a legacy coming there. So it was a good opportunity to go after him. I mean, we stood no chance at him if we're all looking at it clearly. But, you know, when I started drinking the roulade, I was all in for it. I mean, we should have never been on his board. In the- I love it. The roulade. <laughs> Beesel, your take. Um, yeah, I think of the uh, three of us, I've probably been the um, – the biggest roulade drinker on this, uh, on out of us three. Um, listen, Matt Rule didn't work out in the NFL, and I know Jay Sell points at that different animal than college football. And I really feel like he's kind of the right guy for the job. I mean, you saw when he went to Baylor from Temple, he took over a decimated Baylor program, and just with all the scandals and everything, and all the sanctions that were put on Baylor. And for him to really have one bad year at Baylor and out of three, and it was that first year, he's coming into a Nebraska team that I don't feel is as far off as everybody thinks. I think they have some talent there. I think they've moved on a lot of the seniors and the guys who have stuck around a little longer than maybe they should have. Um, but I think really that Matt Rule is going to be a guy. He's going to come in. He's going to put some, you know, some – uh, some discipline back on that offensive line, and he's gonna, you know, put some policies and procedures in place and get these uh, these kids putting together some winning winning drives in the fourth quarter. All right, well, Beesaw, hold your head high because Urban Meyer 
Nick Saban, Steve Spurrier, none of them worked out in the NFL either. T-Saw, your thoughts? My thoughts are like this, all right? With Scott Frost, I dove in, and I dove in before we had even played a game, and then, you know, he comes out game one and we lose to Troy. And that's when I regretted it instantly. But with Matt Rule, I stuck one leg in the water, and I'm like, I'm not trying to get too deep yet. I want to see what he does on the field. But recruiting picked up right away because, I mean, we had a phenomenal month of June in recruiting. And then now, you know, he's he's all over Lincoln. He's posting pictures with families, with businesses. So he's getting the people locally to buy into him because he has no Nebraska ties. He's a Penn State boy. So I like to see that. Now he's a likable guy. Let's get out there and let's win some football games. But, I mean, it looks good. He had his NFL stint. And, honestly, Jay Saul's the, the biggest one against that. But I like it because he was at all those pro days. You know, he, was, he would have been at all the Ohio State pro days, the Alabama, the Georgias, you know, all the top programs. He was at their pro days. He was at the combines. He was seeing all the top talent. And he's saying, you know, things about a lot of players that are bringing in about, like, the quality of, of what they have and like Jeff Sims potential and stuff. And so I want to see what we got with them. And I think we're going to know right away. All right. So we got one drinking the, the, the rule rule aid juice or the uh, Matt rule juice <laughs> rule juice. Yeah, there we go. Rule we got aid. one rule aid. We got one dip in his one leg in and the other one who's <laughs> like, I wish we had urban. So <laughs> <laughs> not a bad you, you gotta have you the know full what, though, spectrum there's still there. days i wish we had urban eric i know show. i know well <laughs> uh, we we there is a there is a unspoken wink wink nudge nudge around columbus that if ryan day were to leave before the season was over for an nfl job it would be urban that they would bring back to finish off the the bowl game so yeah, I could see that. Yeah. So there's, and then who knows after that, what would happen? So, uh, all right, next question, guys. Uh, good, good stuff here. All right. What are your realistic expectations for this season? Now we're not talking down the road. Obviously there's going to be a buildup if, if you project properly. Um, but this season, 2023, uh, T-Soul, you're first. What is your expectations <laughs> as a Nebraska fan, my man? I'm probably the most realistic one out of the three of us. I'm saying I'm going to stick with seven and five. But looking at the schedule, there's no reason at all they don't win at least eight or nine games. But I'm sticking Ooh. with seven and five because we've been losing to some of those teams. Okay, that's that's a that's quite a turnaround. I, I want to break out that schedule, Eric. I want to take a look at that. You you go do that, right? You go do that. And he said re, he realistically said seven. Yeah. Okay. All right. B soul, what do you got? What's your realistic expectations this year? You might want to sit down for this one. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um again, like like I told you guys, I've I've probably been the one who was all in on Matt Rule just from the get-go here. And just the more as things have unfolded in this, uh, as Jay Cell called it, the wild, wild west for the uh, for the Big Ten West here. Um, I don't see there's any reason that this team can't win the Big Ten West. And honestly, at nine, ten wins, I think is very doable when you look at the schedule. You got 
ton of teams with new head coaches, ton of teams who lost a lot of um, what I would call staple, like program staples for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the season either is going to start on a high note here. You open against Minnesota and Minnesota now is replacing their, basically their offense here. Tanner Morgan's gone after what feels like an eternity. Mm-hmm. Mo right. Abraham's gone. Um, PJ Flex a good guy, but how's he going to change things over with a brand new quarterback and basically a new offensive scheme and identity here? Okay, so let me get this straight, Bissell. Your expectation is you're heading to Indy. If I, you got, if you don't head to Indy, you you're basically saying Matt Rule has not reached your expectations. I, That's what I you're saying. With that, yes. I would, I would, I'll put my stamp of approval on that. Wow. I, okay. Okay. I, mean, I want to, I just want, I now, wanted to make sure now because everybody, everybody laughs at this, but when you look at it, I mean, okay. So I think beating Minnesota week one is realistic. Then we go and we play Colorado week two, Colorado. Again, Dion's come in. He's used the transfer portal. Colorado was a bottom five team in all of college football. How much did he really change that? How many undisciplined uh, players are still going to be there. Again, Nebraska was undisciplined, but I'm kind of hoping for that. So I think that should be a good game. Then it's Northern Illinois, Louisiana Tech. We could realistically be 4-0 having Michigan come to town. I, I'm all for that because you guys <laughs> you guys know how much we l- love to hate that team you're playing in week five. I mean, we, we, it's, mm-hmm. they, we don't even mention their names around here. So um, – I'm a all couple for years that. Ago, man. You guys broke our hearts a little bit with that because but, you had them on the ropes. And and see, and yep. these two keep making fun of me, but we're talking, we are an Adrian Martinez fumble away from we would have beat Michigan here the last trip they came to Lincoln. So why not again? Yeah. Well, I was gonna ask Jay Saul, but he he bailed out. I think that answer just really made him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, be, we'll we'll give Jay Saul a minute here, but I okay. Chris and I, we're going to drop our predictions next week when this post is, is the magic of recording goes. We're recording this on Monday the 24th. This thing will be dropped uh, eight days from now, okay? When we drop those <laughs> predictions, I know, B-Saw, you're going to be mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't take anything personally here. It's, uh, you know... Sometimes you gotta you gotta drink your uh, your roulette with the cup half full. <laughs> uh, okay, okay. Jay Saul's back. Jay Saul, what is your expectations in 2023? Please don't tell me you think you guys are going to Indy. Well, let me let me just start you. I am not that delusional. All right. He thinks Pasadena. I might be having technical difficulties right now, but I'm not that delusional. Listen, okay. I gotta, if we don't make a bowl game. I'm on the fire rule train right away. A bowl game. Right away, that's what I want. Listen, I don't even think we're going to win week one against Minnesota. But if we don't win week two either, we could have had Dion. If we lose to Dion, which was Colorado was the worst team last season. He came in, he said he'd bring in his bags and they were Gucci, you know. He lost more guys than he has brought in. If we go ahead and we lose to that team, I am already on the fire rule train. But he needs to make six games for me to be behind him. Okay. I'm more – I, you see, you sound like the most realistic one here, Jay, uh, Jay Saul, uh, out of the three brothers there. Because can they – can Nebraska get six wins and make a bowl game? Sure. Yeah. 
I can find you six wins on that schedule. Now, realistically, will you? There are a lot. There are some. There are some coin toss games on there, man, for you guys. And law of averages says eventually all of those games that you somehow lost, you're going to eventually start to win, right? Now, yeah. does Matt Rule make the difference in that? Is the question. Um, I I tend to think that it, it's it's a good possibility because I, one of you, I think it might have been Beasel, talked about how quickly he turned around Baylor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's got he's got some of that in his DNA to be able to do that. And winning's winning's interesting because as soon as you win a couple, the momentum starts to build. All of a sudden, you believe in yourself. And when you get in those close games down in the fourth quarter, and something bad happens. It's you can flip a switch and say we're going to make something good happen now. Going to make it happen, and so it'll be interesting to me if the negativity of Scott Frost lingers in Lincoln this year, or did he do a good enough job of cleaning that out, sweeping that out, and start from a, a you know a fresh a fresh chalkboard here on on beginning uh, of of the rule era. So that is kind of what I'm looking for and I think that first those first two games like you said Jay Saul you need to win at least one of them. You need to you need to win and preferably I would say you probably want to win against Minnesota since it's in the west but you need to win at least one of those two. If you go 0 and 2 to start the season you're going to have you're going to have uh you're going to have people saying hey it's not going to work. You're going to get the J souls out there. Kick them out of town, right? <laughs> Chris, um, what's our next question, well, buddy? Well, you know, Eric talked about negativity. Now, let's talk about negativity for a minute. Why? Why do you guys hate Iowa so much? What did Iowa ever do to you? Come on. So let's start uh, B soul. Oh, um, and we may be I, poking the uh, the Iowa versus Nebraska <laughs> banter here because we just had them on last week. But go ahead, I say good. Now, now here here's the thing about um, the Iowa football team is I don't think Kurt Ferentz has a job at another Power Five school as long as he has, if it's not Iowa. Oh, I, I agree. he has mm-hmm. been just the epitome of mediocrity. You know what you're going to get every year. And listen, we, as Nebraska football, we have hit rock bottom. We know what that feels like. And it feels like Iowa football. We, we can come in and out and we can expect just the bare minimum. I mean, it, it really doesn't feel like we've had the opportunity to kind of kick back at them after Scott Frost and really Mike Riley kind of started this downtrend uh, even Bo Pelini didn't have a lot of success against Iowa, but the Iowa, Iowa, all of the Iowa fans continue to just talk and mock, and they keep, you know, saying, "Well, you know, we're we're the better team in the uh, in the plains here. We're we're the team that everybody wants to be, and nobody wants to be there." Listen, you guys get it. We know what a national championship feels like. It doesn't feel like beating a team once in a blue moon. And while Iowa's beaten us the last couple of times, they've had our number, that's going to change. And we all know that. I mean, Kurt Ferentz should have let his son go, but he's trying to keep Brian Ferentz in 
in the program. That way he can take over when he retires. And Iowa will have another 40 years of mediocrity. I think you're giving Brian Ferentz too much credit giving mediocrity, man. <laughs> All right, T-Saul, your take. All right, my take, I'm going to first have to disagree with B-Saul. He's talking that Bo Pelini didn't have success against Iowa. I don't think Bo Pelini lost to Iowa. See, that was the thing. When Nebraska came in to the Big Ten from the Big 12, us as fans, Nebraska as a team, we didn't respect Iowa. We beat them every year. It was like, hey, we, we know we're going to beat these guys, just like Colorado every you know day after Thanksgiving. And then all of a sudden, we brought in that, that sprinkle guy, you know, Mike Riley, and we can't beat Iowa. The guy went 0 for 3 against Iowa. Bring in Scott Frost, you know, his worst younger brother, whatever you want to call him. Again, can't beat Iowa. And so now it's become this thing where it's like you just never hear the end of it from the Iowa football fan base, from the media. Like, oh, Nebraska struggles against Iowa. So finally last year we beat him again to shut him up. And I suspect we're going to start pummeling again for the next, you know, five to ten years. Is what I think. You kept them from Indies. What happened? You, you, you're what you guys are. Why Purdue ended up going? Because that that's game right. You guys would. And, and you know we can we can definitely respect what you're saying there about a team that gets a little bit of success and then runs their mouths because mm-hmm. we've got we've got a uh, a rival who uh, has won two times in the last two decades and they're up there having a party right now. Jay Saul, yeah. your take. Yeah, I think it's just more frustrations. I mean, like they were saying, like Tiso was saying, you know, we came in and we were beating them at the beginning, but then we get rid of Bo Pelini. And now we're losing to a team at the end of the year. First of all, we're not even making a bowl game. So this is the one we remember at the end of the year. It's just like a stab in the back. And then they can't even score an offensive touchdown and we can't win the game. That's what's just, I think, carried it on for so long that it's kind of ridiculous how we're losing to this team. And it's not like they're the juggernaut of the West, like they think they are. Um, I, I, I make a petition. I've, I've, I've started a petition that the Iowa Nebraska game at the end of the year should be called the children of the corn. You like, <laughs> I like it. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, the Iowa I'm, guys liked it too. Yeah. So I thought, yeah, yeah. makes sense. Um, uh, all right. Now we got to get a, we got to get some kind of a children of the corn trophy going there. Well, it's gotta be like a sickle, right? Right. Oh, that'd be perfect. A, a, a bloody sickle. Yeah. Iowa fans to make your trophy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> off air. We'll tell you that story. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, so, do you still like being in the Big Ten, or does nostalgia feel like you'd like to go back to the Big 12? I'll start with you, T-Sol. Um, Well, two years ago, I might have had a different story. I might have said, get me back to the Big 12 ASAP because we dominated the Big 12. And, you know, we didn't have any of these key rivalries in the Big Ten yet, but they're they're growing. The Big Ten is growing on us. And ultimately, the Big 12 is dead. So you don't want to go back there anyways. But, I mean, Iowa, as much as we love to hate them and they love to hate us, it's a great rivalry, you know? It's something to look forward to at the end of every season. If we can figure out how to beat Wisconsin, they can be another one of those people. And Northwestern always seems to play us tough. So, I mean, it's there, you know? like Not, not this year they won't. No. <laughs> no. Well, I hope not. <laughs> if they if they even have a team to play this year, that's right. It's, it's getting bad. Jay Saul, what do you think, man? Go back to Big Twelve. 
Yeah, that's what, I mean, I'm with T-Saw. I mean, a couple years ago, I would have said yes, because, you know, the Big 12, they got no defense. We had an offense under Scott Frost that could score. We just, you know, you need a defense to play in the Big 10, and you can't really have the high-flying offense. There's only one team in the Big 10 that does it successfully, and it's because they have the best athletes. That I mean, when we could score on offense, but we couldn't stop anyone on defense to where the Big 12 made more sense for the Huskers in the Scott Frost era, especially. But yeah, now the Big 12 is they're absolutely dead. You don't want to be compared to a UCF now, a Cincinnati. You know, these guys were mediocre, a BYU. And now they're coming in to where it's Houston. Even I don't you can't be in there anymore that it's kind of a. Uh, it's kind of falling off and the Big Ten is grabbing all these teams and the media market is there and you're going to have more revenue, which is going to bring more players and more recruits in. So I think it's a better opportunity to be in the Big Ten today. All right, B-Saw, you you going to make it three for three for the first time on a question? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I, I honestly think sticking around in the Big Ten, especially today with all the changes that they're making, is the best move for Nebraska. Um you go back a handful of years ago, back when uh, Mike Riley first uh, took over and he started this alleged pipeline, the Calibraska, where it was California kids coming to Nebraska. And it was something that fizzled out and didn't really happen. And you guys actually have uh, one of the old Calibraska players in Tristan Jebbia on your uh, bench right now. Um, but it's it's one of those things that at, with mm-hmm. UCLA and USC joining the Big Ten, I think Nebraska having, you know, we've got <clears throat> we've got a chance here to bring some of those kids from California to the Midwest to put on a show for Nebraska again and their families can watch them now. You're going to be you're going to be getting broadcasted over in California. You're going to be playing against USC, UCLA that you'll have the chance to really play in front of your family still while going to a Big 10 school and getting that Big 10 degree. All right, Chris, you got a final question for him? I sure do. So, guys, here it comes. If you had one thing, just one thing you could change about Nebraska football, it would be what, Jason? Not get rid of Bo Pelini, I'll tell you that right now. We learned it the hard way, and, you know, I would take nine wins today. You know, you got your hopes up at least through the whole, pretty much the entire season that you're going to do something, even though you never won a conference championship, never went on to win, a, you know, a New Year's Six. It was, you know, special to have hope and joy at the end of the season, not cheering and waiting for the, you know, the offseason to come after like week one or two. It was, it's been rough. I mean, Mike Riley only had one successful year to do that when he started seven and no. But before that, it's been Bo Pelini. Otherwise, the season's been over. And, you know, you're not even looking to uh, a Saturday in the fall. Hmm. All right. T-Saw, your take on that one. I think I would have linked up with another program while joining the Big Ten. Because you see Texas do it with Oklahoma jumping to the SEC. You see UCLA and USC doing it to the Big Ten. Rutgers and Maryland even did it. I think Nebraska would have benefited more had they linked up with Missouri because Missouri wanted in or say Colorado and joined the big 10. I think they would have got pummeled a lot less because instead it was the big 10 wanted to schedule everyone against Nebraska since they were the new guy in town. And because of that, I think they got beat down too much. That's an interesting okay. take. Yeah. That's a, that's a very interesting take. Good one. T-Saw. Okay. b final thoughts. 
<laughs> you know, T-Cell probably had the best answer here because all I was <laughs> going to say was the one thing I'd change is I want a coach who's going to make halftime adjustments. <laughs> <laughs> man, Scott Frost really left you, left your heart broken, man. Like there's, there's a giant hole there for you, brother. <laughs> I'm telling Good you guys, you know, you go in at halftime and it's like, man, we're playing competitive. And you come back out and you run the same, you know, the same thing. You didn't even change. You know they're making adjustments. Come on. <laughs> wow. so, so if Matt Rule doesn't work out, you guys are going to pick up the phone and give Tommy Frazier a call? Maybe. <laughs> we'll be desperate, so. <laughs> see, I, I think uh, – I don't know that Tommy's the guy who's going to get the call. I could see if they want to go back in, in history or do that route. I mean, Turner Gill's coaching, um, or he was coaching. I don't think he still is right now. He might be at the high school level. But I think there's enough guys who are starting to get into coaching that used to be you know, legacy players that might be able to bring in some of these um, legacy recruits now. I mean, all these kids are grown up now, and why not bring them back? Well, I'll tell you, it's worked out pretty decent for Ohio State bringing back some of those former players. So that's what it looks like. Maybe it worked out for you. <laughs> it certainly has. It certainly has. All right. I don't know who wants to answer this, but where can everybody find the Sully Scoop podcasts? One of you jump in and tell tell everybody where they can find you. Don't all jump at once. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you guys can find us at the on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, Podbean is the app that we use typically, but it will like upload it to all of them. And then we have a we're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and we're getting set on YouTube, so we're gonna be there soon. And yeah, you can catch us on there. Awesome. Now we won't have these guys back on this year unless we meet them in Indianapolis. In which case, I will apologize publicly to Besol at that point. <laughs> I will. <laughs> should I should I pencil that in for the Monday after Thanksgiving? Woo, man. Yeah. I tell you what, how bad would it be if they made it? And so, and we didn't, and that stinking team up North did again. And I would be sitting here watching those two and be like, I feel like crap. Like, I, <laughs> you know, Eric, you like to make a wager from time to time. Maybe I do. These all should work something out here. I, I, well, I, we got to play each other first. I mean, nah, that's got to do it on the records. Come on. No, you I, can't see yourself I, a bit of a gamble, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, my 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 track record the last couple of seasons is not going so hot. So uh, mine yeah. either. So and I just made a bet with the with the uh, Notre Dame guys that we had on the show. So um, yeah. Anyways, this was a lot of fun, guys. Check out their podcast. They're one of my favorites on Big Banter. Now it makes sense that I know that they're actual three brothers. Why they're able to just sit there and and banter back and forth with another one another like they do with no ramifications. I love it. It's a lot of fun. I've learned more listening to the last three or four episodes that they've put out about Nebraska football than I ever knew before. It's because Tesol likes to take it back all the way back. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he likes to go way back there and remind his brothers of how good how good they used to be um, and, and how they got to where they're at. But I've enjoyed it a lot, guys. Keep up the good work. Looking forward to seeing that podcast grow and uh, hopefully down the road. Who knows? Maybe when we do get to Indy, we'll have you guys back on to do a preview. Have a good, have a good season, guys. Good luck. You too. Thanks. Yep. Thank, Thank you. Good luck.
All right. Thank you guys so much for uh, from the Sully Scoop. Chris, those guys are awesome, man. They are great. Yeah. Three we've brothers. Been very, we've been very lucky, lucky with Big Banner, Eric, since we've jumped on with them. Just the, the caliber of, of guys, the character uh, of, of the guys that are doing these podcasts for the rival teens are just tremendous. It's going to be a great time uh, collaborating with these guys. Yeah, it's too bad we don't play them this year, yes. in all honesty, because that would be a lot of fun to have them on. So well, it'll be right. a guaranteed win. So. <laughs> Let's talk rosters, shall we? Let's get into projected starters for Nebraska this season. What does Matt Rule have to work with here, everybody? Let's start with the offense first. We've got a transfer junior quarterback, Jeff Sims, who's the projected starter at quarterback. Running back, Gabe Irvin Jr. is a redshirt sophomore. Offensive line, uh, a good mixture here. Uh, Nordine Noelli, Noelli maybe, senior. Uh, you got a redshirt junior transfer, Ben Scott. Turner Cochran, the junior, is back. Bryce Benhart, redshirt junior, offensive lineman. And Teddy Projaska, or Projaska. We are uncultured swine. That's just easy for you to say. Yeah. Redshirt sophomore uh, finishes out the projected starters on the offensive line. Over at tight end, another great name, Nate Borkutcher. 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 Redshirt sophomore. And uh, Janarin Bonner, redshirt freshman. Uh, are the two tight ends wide receiver Marcus Washington seniors back he's a senior excuse me Billy Kemp the fourth redshirt senior transfer and Xavier Betts a redshirt sophomore is the other wide receiver projected starter Uh, of course they lost Trey Palmer to the NFL draft Chris your thoughts on Nebraska's offense heading into the 2023 season yeah I don't know how much confidence I have in Jeff Sims. Um, I know that Nebraska fans are really banking a lot on this guy. Uh, and if he has a decent year, I think they'll be a pretty good team. I think Gabe Irvin's going to be a pretty good running back. Um, but, but of course, you know, it all comes down to what, the, what they've got on the line. And uh, I think they do have some good veteran leadership on the line. That should help them a little bit. But I don't see this as a powerful offense. I don't know. I don't either. Uh, there's really no one there. No. That I can highlight circle to say, there's your superstar. Yeah. I just don't see it. Um, this is, a, this is going to have to be talent that Matt rule develops, which mm-hmm. is why I, as, and you heard that you heard it in my voice when we were interviewing, interviewing the Sully scoop guys, tamper those expectations, boys. And they've got some expectations. I'm going to bring them down slightly looking at that roster. Just just saying. You might surprise me, but I do not see a 10-win team there, boys. I'm telling you that right now. All right, defensively, let's flip it over to the defensive side of the ball here, Chris. So up front, Ty Robinson, the redshirt junior, is back. You Then you have a couple transfers. Prince Will Umenmelon. Sure, that sounds right. He's a freshman. Uh, Cameron Lindhart is another freshman. Of course, Mathis um, Ocon, I think maybe is how you pronounce that. Uh, he's in the NFL now as well. Linebackers, Luke Reamer, senior. He's a good one. Uh, yes, MJ, yes. MJ Sherman, he's a transfer senior. 
Uh, Nick Henrich as a redshirt junior and Isaac Gifford is a junior. So they got pretty good linebacking core. I think that's the strength of this defense and Luke Ramers. Uh, he's, he's a good one. Cornerbacks, uh, Quentin Newsom's a senior this year. He's another good one. Malcolm Hartzog, the sophomore is projected to be the starter. And then again, two more transfers at safety, Omar Brown and Marquise Buford jr. Um, transfer in kicker, Timmy Bleakrod, Bleakrod. And Brian Buscini is the punter. He is a junior. Um, I like their cornerbacks, and I like their I like their linebackers. Um, I feel that this is a decent defense, Chris. I think it's better than their offense. Mm-hmm. Um, how? My question is depth. How well are you going to hold up in a twelve game season and a very physical Big Ten? The, this defense is. You know, got some, has me a little bit worried well, there. And, and I honestly think that the linebackers and corners are going to have a lot harder way to go because I just don't see them generating a lot of pressure up front with the front four. I don't see and, – and that, of course, as we know, will lead to problems if your safeties are having struggles back there as well. So, yeah, this is a team that defensively could be very good or very bad. Um, like you said, I think it's stronger than the offense. I, I just don't know. I mean, I, I can't actually say that I'm very confident in it, though, without having some real depth and talent on that front four. I agree. I agree. Let's take a look at their schedule, Chris. Uh, this is also where it can get pretty interesting here. Um, <laughs> Now, Vegas says six and a half. That's where the over-under is. I feel like this is totally pulling at uh, the Sully scoop in the Nebraska fans on go- taking the over. I feel like this is a ploy on them. Like Vegas is just sitting back going, I dare you. I dare you yeah. to take the over. Let's see if we can't find six wins on this schedule, okay? At Minnesota. Coin toss? I don't think so. I don't think so just because it's at Minnesota. If this was a home game, I'd give them a coin toss, but – at Minnesota, I think it's going to be too much. At Colorado. That one I'm going to give him a coin toss because Dion's brought in some really talented young players, but he's going to have very little depth because he's had more people transfer out than he's brought in. They need to win one of those first two games. Like I told those boys, you do not want to go 0-2. This fan base could turn on him quick. Now, Northern Illinois and Louisiana Tech, those should be W's. Louisiana Tech is sneaky good, though, Eric. That sh- still should be a double. It game. should be. You're at big... home. You're a better. You're a bigger school. You got better players. You got the better coach. You need to win that football game. Yeah, they should have won Georgia Southern last year too. I understand that, but they were also under Scott Frost then. Agreed. Versus Michigan, that's an L. Yeah. At Illinois, I feel that's an L. I I do too. Bye week versus Northwestern. That That's a win. win. Versus Purdue. We don't know what Purdue's we don't know got. What Purdue is. This but could be I a win. I will say this. I think Purdue has more talent defensively up front and could give the them a run for their money defensively. Can they score with the ball? I don't know. 
the last four are tough. At Michigan State versus Maryland, at Wisconsin versus Iowa. Maybe at Michigan State, depending on the momentum you're carrying off of the – Yeah, those last three, I think, are all L's. So if you can win either Minnesota or Colorado, that's one. Northern Illinois, Louisiana Tech, that give you three. Northwestern gives you four. Michigan State gives you five. I'm thinking Purdue, they can get five. I, I think Purdue for them might be easier than at Michigan State just because of location. Could and be. again, we don't know what Purdue's going to have. Right. That's the big question mark in the West. I I got them at five and seven. Chris, you got them at four and eight. Yeah. You're you're telling everybody to hammer the under. Hammer the under. Absolutely. Chris says and, hammer and, the under. And again. I think that this is a team that in the next couple of years is going to be a lot better, but Matt rule has to have time to implement his program, get his recruits in and, you know, get everybody on the same page. All right. Let's see what Brandon Jensen has to say from big banter. What does he say to do with your hard earned dollars? So I'm Brandon Jensen, uh, lead betting analyst at big banter sports. Glad to be on the show. So we'll go over to Wisconsin eight and a half. Over at minus 128, under at plus 104. Tanner Mordecai comes in from SMU, pairing it with Phil Longo's air raid style. I don't think Wisconsin has seen this kind of offense in a while. Returning Braylon Allen and Chaz Malusi in the run game, this is going to be a fantastic unit. Jim Leonard's gone. The defense is not going to be as stout. But I think drawing Ohio State from the east in Madison is going to be a potential game of the year for the season. I think this might be one of my favorite bets. I'm going over. I think Wisconsin flirts with not just 10 wins. I think they flirt with 11, and I think they win the West. I'm a big, fickle guy personally, and I think he does start off running and getting the job done in Madison. All right, thank you, Brandon. Chris, final thoughts on Nebraska? Uh, Husker fans, just keep the faith. I don't think it's going to happen for you this year, but you know what? I, I believe you've got the right guy at the helm. Just give him time. Let him develop the program. I think it's going to be all right. Okay. I'm going to put you on the spot because it's obvious that you're a Matt Rule fan. You're drinking a little bit of the, the Rule-Aid as, as, the, as the Sullys are. Is he better than Jim Harbaugh as a no, coach? Not right now. No, take it. Take Take rosters out of it just as a coach. I, you know what? Honestly, you got to remember, Harbaugh's been to a Super Bowl. Harbaugh okay. has. Right. Say no. That's fine. But, but this is the thing. After seeing what Matt Harbaugh, or Matt Harbaugh, nice. Matt Jimmy Rule has Harbaugh. done. Okay. Turning around programs at mm-hmm. Baylor. And at Temple, like you said, if you can win at Temple and Baylor, you're a pretty doggone good coach. Is he better than Ryan Day? No. Is he better than James Franklin? I I, I don't think so. Not okay. Not sure. Nebraska... I would say Day Harbaugh and Frank Day Harbaugh and, and and Franklin are still the cream of the crop in the Big Ten. He could slide. Wow, it's hard to say with fickle now if he can even slide into fourth. Nebraska views themselves on the same level as Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State when it comes to fan bases and revenue and 
you know, football, being a football powerhouse. They consider consider themselves a blue blood. They've in won the 80s nat- and, in the eighties and nineties. They very much were. They've won national championships. It's just been so long since they've done that. If I just feel like Nebraska is still a sleeping giant. I who feel can, like they could be. Yeah. Who can wake them up? Is Matt was Matt rule that guy? I think he can. Okay. All right. Like because I said, that, I'm not ready to put him in that top tier of the Big Ten yet, but I think he's got the potential to be there. Okay. That's fair. I mean, you're 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 pretty much being like the state of Missouri. Show me. Yeah, exactly. Show me. Show me what you can do. I'm telling you, and I'm telling I'm telling the Nebraska fan base, I think you have the right coach. Mm-hmm. Don't panic if he doesn't get him turned around in Give year him at number least one. Three years to get himself established and get his program in place. If he gets, I'm telling you straight up, if he gets six wins out of this team, that is big time. I gave yes. him five. I gave Nebraska five wins simply based on I think who he is as a head coach. Yeah. Because and he's I, not he's not Ryan Day or even Jim Harbaugh or Luke Fickle who have walked into programs that at least have talent there. Right. Right. Uh, here's my statement. Sully's I, I love you guys. Don't don't get mad at me. You have an 8-win coach coaching a 3-win roster. Correct. Can it can he get them to 6? That's kind of the the mental math I'm doing in my head right now. You know, if, I, if he, I'm a Husker fan, I'm doing cartwheels if we make a bowl game, you know? Right. I, I am I am as well. Like, share, subscribe. If you're a Nebraska fan. Tell us why we're right or we're wrong. We want to hear from you. Comment in the comment section below. Um, hit ring the bell. Uh, that way you can get notified every time we drop another uh, episode. And we are working our way through the Big Ten. We're halfway done. Seven more to go. So um, go back, listen to the other six we've done, and we've got seven more coming your way. Uh, Chris, till next time, OH. I.O. Go Bucks.